Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Make sure you do catch Shane and Gemma after the service. I'm sure they'll hang around for a while um, and have a, have a chat as well. So I was down to finish the, the Acts service, uh, Acts series, sorry, we've been doing encounters in the book of Acts and, and uh, Leanne was correct. Today we were finishing in chapter 17, which actually is a really, really cool uh, uh, chapter. Paul goes to Athens and um, does some great things there. Um, but I was, last, yesterday I was thinking about um, what am I going, is this really what I need to preach on? Uh, or do I need to preach on something else? I don't know. Uh, when a brand new ship is ready to set sail, it's commissioned. As in, they, they get all the, the people who build the ship, they get all the dignitaries around and, and they get the bottle of wine or whatever it is and, and they kind of bless the ship or they commission the ship. This event is kind of arranged, it's a public declaration that the vessel is seaworthy, that the vessel is ready, uh, it's ready for the voyage. And the commissioning is this kind of launching or a launching point into uh, the ship's active service. And so today, this sermon is for Shane. And so part of it you might think, why don't Shane and Anthony just get a room? And uh, he could just share this with him. Uh, I, I was again contemplating even yesterday. Do I do the, do I do the Act 17 or? But no, I feel like this this is this is for Shane. But in this, uh, I'm going to give you some points, four points. Uh, but also, everyone can I think get stuff from what I'm about to share, because Shane and Gemma are starting a new voyage, and I want to say to you, Shane, you're you're. A, a, a ship, <laughs> and you're ready. You are ready uh, for, you're seaworthy. You're ready for the, the voyage. And I know when we met four years ago, there was some hesitancy there, but you're ready for the voyage. You, you are ready. And again, you're not a new ship. You've, you've been, been developed and, and shaped and equipped, but this is a new journey as you step into senior leadership, pastoring a church, but you are ready and you're sea. Uh, ready for, for voyage. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share a little bit about that uh, and hopefully you can kind of apply some of this stuff to, you, to your own life. Probably not the first point. The first point might be the only one you think, gee, I wish Anthony and Shane would just did this over a cup of coffee. But we're going to start with the first point and maybe, maybe you will get something out of the first point. Uh, so the first one is this, Shane, and, and this point came to me actually uh, when you were praying and we were praying a bit about Shane going to be the senior pastor at Mosaic Baptist Church and uh, there was a bit of uh, toing and froing. The church wasn't quite sure and it created some unsettledness. And, um, but we knew that I, I had a sense that this was going to happen. I think they did as well. And I, I was running around Bibra Lake. It was, it was like my 10th time and, um, <laughs> I, and uh, I felt, and I was praying for you guys and, and this phrase came to mind and I, I think I have shared this with you. And this is the, the first thing, uh, I, and again, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm the only one who speaks on behalf of God, but this is a phrase I felt God was saying, give this to Shane and Gemma, and that is bring stability before you bring change. 
bring stability before you bring change. I remember when I first became the senior pastor here at Lakeside, uh, we, uh, a group of my pastor friends, we got together and they're like, oh, Anthony, awesome, you're in charge now. And, uh, and one of the guys said, what changes are you going to make? That was almost the first thing that came out of their mouth. What changes are you going to make? You, you're in charge, you can make... And I hadn't really thought about making any changes, really. But then there was this, I kind of sensed, wow, maybe, maybe as the senior leader, that's what I'm meant to do. I'm the, I'm the, the pastor of the senior, I'm meant to make changes, you know. And, and, and that's what senior pastors do, and that's what real leaders do. They make change. Um, and, and, you know, even now when you look at some churches around Perth, Australia, and, and these aren't bad churches, but you look at some of their names, they're like Life Changer or Elevation or World Changers, and, and some pastors are even changed their title to uh, um, change agents. They're not senior pastors, they're change agents. And, and, and again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that because the church is a place of change. It's a transformative community that people should have their lives changed, that their, their lives should be transformed. And actually, if we're a transforming community, we should be changing all the time, how we share the gospel, how we live the gospel, all that kind of stuff. So there's nothing wrong with change at all. But there is sometimes this perception, whether it's real or not, that as the senior leader, you feel this pressure that you've got to be making change. And that if you're not, you're not doing your job. And there is an aspect where you will have to bring change, but I want to encourage you to bring stability before you bring change. Um, and the reason I say that, or the heart behind what I'm saying with the stability before change is this, it's actually the heart. Let them see your heart, uh, like, like we did today, and you've done this over the last four years, let them see your heart first. Let them see who you are first. Let people, even in your communities, where, wherever you are, and let people see who you are first, the true you. Now, we've all got stuff that we, we don't. It's funny, um, before the service, there was some rubbish just over here, and uh, I was talking to Leanne. I'm like, oh, look at that junk. Now let's chuck it behind the curtains. No one will see that. Uh, and we do that with life, don't we? Ah, oh, just chuck that behind the curtains. No one will see that. We all have some of that stuff. Um, but the point is this. Let them see your heart. Let, let them see you as, as a person um, they need to know you before they need to know what you're going to do. And that's the point behind this, bring stability. People want to know you. They want to trust you. And, and, and that, then there will come change. You're, you're a visionary. Uh, you've got ideas. And I think a good place to start, if you want to make sure you bring stability before change, is use the metaphor. There's so many different metaphors for being a pastor. There's one of servant. There's one of steward. But I would initially go on with the metaphor of, of shepherd. Uh, generally, we like to, because we, we think we, we can save the world, we go in with the metaphor as visionary. I'm the visionary and I'm coming in to, to bring the vision. And that's part of the role. But I would start with the metaphor of shepherd. A shepherd is one who cares for their sheep, uh, the spiritual oversight, their safety, uh, making sure they're being fed. The shepherd is actually there for the sake of who? The sheep. If there's no sheep, there's no need for a shepherd. The, the, the shepherd's role is to look after the sheep. So start with the metaphor of, of shepherd, and you'll do the other stuff naturally, but, but bring stability before you bring change. Here's a, a passage in First Peter. It says, Just as shepherds watch over their sheep, you must watch over everyone God has placed in your care. 
Do it willingly in order to please God and not simply because you think you must. Let it be something you want to do instead of something you do merely to make money. Not that you're not getting paid that much anyway. Um, but, but, But shepherd the people, care for the people. The second uh, point is this, remember, and when I say remember, do this almost daily, look in the mirror and remind yourself of this. When you look in the mirror, don't think, oh my gosh, I'm losing my hair, which you are, but, but don't think, oh, I could lose a few kilos or anything. No, remember this, remember your identity is solidly fixed and based in Jesus. Now, we can all take this on board, yes? Regardless of results, Regardless of results, regardless of failures, regardless of successes, sometimes even the success and popularity, we can think, uh, normally when it comes to identity, we focus on on failures, but identities can be an issue when we succeed and are popular because we start to think it's all about us and we base our identity in us and in ourselves. But remember, your identity is fixed solidly fixed and based in Jesus. Every single person here, everyone who has put their hand up and said yes to Jesus, your identity is solidly fixed in him. That can't be changed. That can't be moved. doesn't matter how good you do something. doesn't matter if you drop the ball and stuff up in an area. Your identity is based in Jesus. That doesn't mean we get lazy. It doesn't mean we go through the motions. It just means what we do doesn't make us right with God. Now, there should be a desire to do things good, to please a God and to love God and to serve God because of what he's done for us. But we don't, we don't have to do that to, to be made right with God. When Shane was up here crying, uh, his daughter, I can't remember which one it was, I can't, Synthony, uh, she, she started to cuddle him. That's, what, that's the relationship we, we have with, with God, regardless of whether we succeed or whether we fail. Now, this might sound really simple, but you need to hold on to that because there will be criticism, there will be failures, there will be things that you do really well and you think, I'm, I'm good at this. I could be running Hillsong. You know, like this is, this is easy. Your identity is in Jesus. Remember your identity is in Jesus. Look at Galatians here. Um, Galatians 4, 7 says, So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Now, language here is, is quite rich, and, and uh, this is an agenda issue, because sometimes, I think some translations try to say sons and daughters, which is fine, but, but the, the sense of what Paul is saying is, you're no longer a slave, you don't have anything holding you down, and you're not bondaged or, or controlled or, or owe anyone anything, but a son, you see, a son, the firstborn son in that time would get what? the inheritance, would get everything. And that's why the, it's not a gender issue there. It's just saying that you get everything that your father has. Not because you've done anything, just because you're the what? The son, the daughter. Because you've said yes to Jesus. Remember your identity in him. And here, look at this beautiful passage in Romans. This should encourage you. This should remind you of where to base your identity. Like I said, when you get up in the morning, remember, oh, this, is, this is my identity. Uh, Paul says, for I'm convinced, he's talking about what can separate you from God and the love of God. For I'm convinced neither death nor life. That's basically saying nothing can. Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So all of us hold on to this. This is crucial that we remember that our identity is fully, fully based 
and solidly fixed in Jesus. Now, we can choose to remember that. That's a positional truth. As in, and if you've said yes to Jesus, you've become a, a Christian, that is true. Now, we, we can hold on to that and believe that or choose to believe that, or we can start to believe other things. What we tell ourselves, what we read in the media, what other people may say about us. And therefore, we're, living, we're not living in that positional truth that our identity is based in, in Jesus. Um, you know, when you watch a movie, I don't know if you've watched a movie and you've turned the sound off and uh, there's no soundtrack. And some of those really cool scenes are no longer cool, are they? You like, what, I, I tried watching Rocky, the Rocky training montage without the backing music. It's terrible. It's like a sweaty Italian in grey tracksuit. There's no, there's no, but with the music, man, you could go out and do anything. It's that, that backing track, that backing thing that's in the background. You don't notice it until it's gone almost. Um, but I, I want to suggest to you that we all have a, a soundtrack playing in our own lives, in our day-to-day when we walk around. And, and we get to choose which one we listen to. Can you remember what this is? Oh, no, that, actually, that's a really good quote. That, I missed that. This is Eugene Peterson. He says, all the persons of faith I know are sinners, doubters, uh, uneven performers. We, sec- we are secure not because we are sure of ourselves, but because we trust that God is sh- sure of us. And so even though we are sinners, we make mistakes, that's okay. We're not sure of ourselves, but God is sure of us. So, so coming back to the soundtrack, can anyone tell me what this is? It's a, it's a, it's a toaster. It's a cassette. Now, I, I may have said, uh, told you this little one before, but so, so with the soundtrack, we all have things playing in our heads. Now, these things have been put there by maybe the way we were brought up, maybe our parents, maybe uh, what we experienced at school, uh, maybe what we've read, maybe what we, we leave in ourselves, maybe from our friends. But there's always this tape playing, not all the time, but some of it's positive, some of it's not so positive. And so for, for me, I have, uh, this is what's on my soundtrack sometimes, and that is I'm fearful, I'm uneducated, I'll never be good enough, I'll, I'll never make a good leader, I'm small, which I am, and weak. And so this is the, this is the noise, that the, the soundtrack that gets played in my life, and I'm not sure what yours is, Shane, um, but you've got one. Um, and and, and if, we, if we base our identity in this stuff, we will go nowhere, will we? We won't do anything for God. We'll become, we won't reach our potential. We won't uh, do what God has called us to do because we're listening to this stuff. Now, we could, it could still be positive and, and, and not be beneficial. It could be, say, you're the best-looking person in the world. That, you know, that's just, it's positive, but it's, it's not a good soundtrack to listen to because I become egotistical. So, so what am I basing my identity in? The thing about Jesus, and we just heard it in, in Shane's story here, he, he, he maybe had some of this stuff four years ago, and he still has some, but in the process, he's flipped, or God has flipped. The good thing about these things is you can, what, take it out and put it on what? The other side. Or you can go on the radio and press play record. Remember you used to do that? You used to rip off, I don't know if you're allowed to do that. You used to tape all the cool songs. And, um, but anyway, that's not the point of the illustration. The point of the illustration is there's, there's another side of the, the oh gosh, here we go. 
There's another side of the tape, side B. And I, I want to suggest to you that, that, that God says, flip it over. Jesus says, flip over the tape. Your identity is based in me. Don't listen to this stuff. I, I love this story. And when I think of this illustration, I think of the, the story where Jesus is out ministering and this girl, this lady who had been bleeding for 12 years. You remember this story? She hears that Jesus is coming to her town. And, and imagine what was on her tape. Eh? In that culture, she's a woman, so uh, to bleed uh, is, is to be unclean. Uh, she's tried every single doctor in town or, or the, the city. No one can help her. And so she's isolated. She's isolated pro- from men. Men don't want to go next to her. In that time and culture, to not have a husband push, pushes you right out on the fringe. Her, her friends who are girls probably don't want anything to do with her because she's the unclean one. She's, she's the bleeding one. She's all these negative things that she would hear. She's worthless. She has no value. That's, I'm, I'm only assuming, but she was human like us. She'd been pushed out and isolated from her society or her town. But she hears about Jesus and the miracles that Jesus is performing. And she thinks, one, I wonder. I wonder if this Jesus guy can, can heal me. And so for her to go to the, the village where Jesus was would have been a huge risk. Remember the story as she goes there and G, everyone's just around Jesus. It's like, it's crazy. It's like Christmas shopping at Garden City the night before Christmas. It's packed. You can't move. And so she, and I could imagine her kind of hiding in her, what she's wearing, but she just wants to see Jesus. And she thinks to herself, if only I touch Jesus, a bit of Jesus' clothes, then, then I'll be healed. If only I can touch Jesus. Hopefully no one recognizes me. If they recognize me, they're going to say I'm dirty, I'm unclean. And so this tape's probably playing. And, and, and again, you know the story. Eventually she reaches out and, and she grabs a bit of Jesus' cloak there. And, and, and automatically she knows that the bleeding has stopped. But what does Jesus also know? What does he say? He says, oh, what's going on? Some power's come out of me. Have you ever had that experience? When someone's touching you? Oh, wow, some power's come out of me. He's like, what? whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Now she's been caught. Imagine, imagine what's playing in her mind now. <gasps> I've been found. And she kind of sheepishly, and you re- in, the, in the text you kind of get this sense. She's like it. It was me, and I've been bleeding for 12 years, and I thought, if only, if only I could touch your cloak, a bit of your clothing, then, then I would be healed. And Jesus' response is this. Jesus pulls out the tape, and he turns it around and says, hey, listen to a new story. Because he refers to her as daughter. A term of endearment, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. And I could imagine she's been flooded with this, this joy and this emotions that, that, that Jesus didn't rebuke her or anything. He referred to her as daughter. You're a child. You're my child. Your faith has healed you. You see, her identity is now based in who? In Jesus. Now, I'm sure she has her moments where the tape flips over. She needs to keep it on side B. Keep it on side B, Shane. All of us keep it on side B. The enemy will come and plant seeds of doubt, of fear, keep it on side B. Your identity is based and solidly fixed in Jesus. For me, my side B says this, be strong and courageous, Anthony. 
Your God will be with you wherever you go. Anthony, you're a child of God. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, Anthony. Do not be dismayed, Anthony. For, for God's righteous right hand will hold you, Anthony. That's what's on my side B. I, 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 side B, I'll uphold you. In your weakness, Anthony, I will give you strength. That's what my side B says. Remember your side B. Remember your identity is solidly fixed and based in Jesus, regardless of all the other stuff. Third point I want to say, Shane, is this. Hold on to your calling. So uh, bring stability before change, your identity in Jesus, but hold on to your calling. And again, this is one for all of us. We all have a general calling as Christians to live out. Now, I don't want God's plan is for your life. I don't know what it is. But a general calling as Christian is to live set-apart life, to live holy lives, to, to embody what it means to follow Jesus, to bring goodness to our families, our communities, our workplaces. So we hold on to that calling, all of us. But specifically here, you have a calling. God has called you both to, to this new ship, this new voyage, to, to be the senior leader of, of this church. Hold on to that. Don't let go of that. Look at John 15, and I know this is Jesus talking to his disciples, but there's a sense that he, as he calls people into ministry and, and, and leadership and pastor, this is what he says. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He has chosen you for this, this appointment. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I'm sorry, this isn't spud shed fruit. This is fruit that will last. This is Tony Ale fruit. This is good fruit. Might cost a little bit more, but it's good fruit. So you've been appointed. You've been called. We've all been called by God. Like I said, there's a general call. And maybe you have a specific calling to whatever ministry you're doing. Whatever, maybe you have a, a specific calling, whether it's social justice or helping the poor or marginalized or, or, or to evangelize in prisons. You hold on to that calling that God has called you to. He's called you to bear fruit. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give. So you can approach him with confidence because you've been called. It's the calling that gets you through the hard stuff. It's the calling that gets you through the hard stuff. It's the calling that reminds you why you are doing what you're doing. Even as a Christian, it might be hard. You might be having a hard time at work or in your family. You might... No, remember that you've been called, you've been set apart as the senior leader, as a pastor. It's the calling that will get you through the hard stuff. It's the calling that, that will remind you, this is why I'm here, because I've been called here. It's a calling that then allows you to step out in faith. Hey, this seems crazy that we're going to do this. Why would, we, why would we try to plant another rec center somewhere else? I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. Ah, but God has called us. God has called me. God is calling me so I can step out in faith. It's the calling that allows us to do that. Not you, not your strength. It's, it's the calling. Um, I, I, I remember I've told you this story before about uh, years ago, 2012. Um, we as a church were, just had kind of that new vision under myself as the new senior leader. And, and uh, there was lots going on behind the scenes. And, and God was moving. And I could sense this was kind of a new season for Lakeside. And it was all great. And remember I told you the story where my house got under spiritual attack. Uh, some people started putting fish on my front yard. And, and, and then, uh, then I had pig hooves. 
Uh, one night they put pig hooves on my front lawn and my front door and, and it was witches, basically. We believe it was probably witches, but it, man, it shook me. These people were close to my family. My, my kids were sleeping and, and, and like they were trying to stop me and, and bring fear into my life. And, and at that point, I wanted to go and work at the spud shed. I said, Lord, I, 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 we keep focusing on Tony Gilardi today. I don't, but, but I was like, Lord, I don't want to do this ministry thing. This is scary. This is scary. Let me just do something else. And I was, I was tempted just to bail. I had to come back to the calling. And I think it was Arthur, Arthur Payne, the senior pastor, said, oh, come on, hold on to the calling. You're called, you're called, you're called, you keep walking. Is it scary? Yeah, it's a little bit scary. Start praying. Greater is he that is in you that is in the, that is in the world. So hold on to that calling, regardless of situations, regardless of, of circumstances. Uh, um, how do we hold on? Well, we walk in it. We walk in it with confidence and humility, not with arrogance, with confidence. Why? Because we know God has caught us. And with humility, we take responsibility. Sometimes we, we have a calling, we don't take the responsibility. No, take responsibility. You've been called to do this. I need to do this. Grow in your calling. But most of all, I think you need to hold on like this guy here. Because um, sometimes that's what it feels like. God is calling you to something, you just hold on, baby. Hold on. Um, poor little kid, you need a counselling for the next 10 years. But God's going to move, God's going to work, you hold on, baby, and you enjoy it, and you grow, and you walk in it, you walk confidently with humility. And look at Colossians uh, 3, 23, and it's a very well-known passage, but I love how the Amplified Version, don't generally use the Amplified Version, says it. Whatever you do, Shane, or whoever, put your own name there. Whatever task may, your task may be, work from the soul. Uh, that is to put in your very best effort. Give it all. Why? Because it's your calling as something uh, done for the Lord, not for men or for people. You're doing it for God. Why? He's called you to do it. Might feel like this guy here, as in the little kid on the, on the thing, but no, nah, I'm holding on, I'm holding on, I'm doing it for God. Hold on to your calling. I don't know if you can uh, see what this is. I'll open it. This is my last point. Does anyone know what it is? It is compass. I don't know how to use it. Um, where's north of the river? North is that way. That's probably about right, you reckon? Oh, north just went there. I don't know what's going on. Global warming. Anyway, it's moving around. Okay, so apparently you can, you, you need, if you want to head in a certain direction, you use that as, in, as a reference point. You need something as a reference point. It's a compass. And a compass helps direct, help us find our way. And, and so I, this is the most important point. Bring stability before um, change, identity in Jesus, solid success, failures. Um, what was the second, third one? Hold on to your calling. All of us hold on to our calling. But the, this, this one here is the most important. This is where we can go wrong in, in anything, in our Christian journey, but obviously in ministry. James says no one, no one should want put their hand up to be a leader because uh, they're under a high level of accountability. Or, or, so, so you don't, this is, the, this is the big one. And the reason I have a compass is because I want you to remember this. Very, very simple, 
but we need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's your compass. He's, he's what guides us. He's what directs us. He's what helps us from getting lost. We need to look through that little lens. I'm not sure how you use this thing. I'm, I can see the outdoor ed people saying, he's not even, it's upside down, you idiot. Um, but the point is that Jesus is the one that guides and directs. And everything should come through that filter. If we don't have that, if we don't have that compass, we don't, if we're not using that, we will use something else. Our own intuition or ability or gut feelings we will go to other people. And I'm not saying you can't use that, but our first filter, our first lens, our compass needs to be Jesus. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus. Um, we know this passage here. It's a beautiful passage. Um, but that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw everything that hinders and, and the sin that so easily entangles and, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So it says we're running this race. We need to throw off everything, the sin and, and the things that weigh us down. Now, that's not done with just trying hard because you won't be able to do it. You, you can try to throw Hands up. If, I won't say hands up. Sorry. I'm sure there's all of us here that we've tried to get rid of sin in our life just by trying hard. There's an aspect of that, but it won't work. Eventually, you'll, you'll sin again. The way, we, the way we do it is what? It says it right here. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. We have our compass. Jesus is our compass. He guides. He directs. If we're so focused on Jesus, we don't have to worry about the other stuff. Fix our eyes on Jesus, and he's the pioneer and perfecter, or the pioneer and author of our faith. And he goes on to say, uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, something, uh, it, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, so consider Jesus, this bit right here is real important as well, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So even as we go through our Christian life, there's, there's times where we can grow weary, we can get discouraged. What is the answer? We keep fixing our eyes on Jesus. We keep coming back to, to this, coming back to the, the compass, which is Jesus. Here, mate, you can have that. Um, but we fix our eyes on Jesus. Make the Bible... Make the Bible your main book. Now, again, I'm, I'm a, not a very fast reader, but I'm an avid reader. I read quite a few books, and so I have no issue with people reading books and, and getting information from other things, but this is our main book, yes? This needs to be your main book, and I'm not suggesting it's not, because I know you, but, but it's your main book, because it's your compass. You fix your eyes on Jesus through this and, and then there's prayer and, and the, the Holy Spirit. And I just want to, again, just say one little bit of warning here as we kind of sum up. Sometimes we can get caught, and even, uh, again, if you're not in pastoral ministry, of the, the, the leadership trap. Um, the church needs leaders. And what I loved about Shane's ministry is he's empowered others to lead, which is awesome. Um, and because the church do, do need people to lead and direct and to guide and and, and, that, and we looked at it last week, that the Apostle Paul set up a, a structure, didn't he, to, to help his church continue to grow and to work for his... So there needs to be leaders. But some, somewhere, I think, 
leadership has become an idol. Even in church circles, that we worship leadership, that we, we, we want to lead because we want to lead. We start to worship leaders and we worship leadership stuff and, and it becomes an idol uh, and it becomes leadership for the sake of leadership. And this is even in church circles. In Christian circles, there's kind of this leadership roadshow. And again, nothing wrong with it, but, but this is it here. This is what matters. We don't want to get caught on that leadership where it's just leadership for the sake of leadership. No, it's leadership for Jesus. It's leadership for Jesus' church. How do we know? We fix our eyes on Jesus. One of the organisations that I'm involved in is, is a, a group called Arrow Leadership, a Christian organisation. But listen, this is, I love their, their, their tagline. And this is what I would encourage you, but everyone, to, to be led more like Jesus, to lead more like Jesus, and to lead more to Jesus. Why do we want to be good leaders? Why do we want to grow as leaders? Why do we need, well, to, to be led more by Jesus, to, to lead more like Jesus, and to lead more to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. All of us need to do that. Make this your main book. So there you go, Shane. Um, bring stability before change. Um, your identity is firmly and securely based in Jesus. Everyone holds on to that, regardless of success and failure regardless of popularities or, or, or criticism. Uh, hold on to your calling. All of us as Christians, hold on to, to what Jesus has called. Hold on to your calling here today. You've been sent off. You hold on to that. You know that God has called you to this role. So when you get over there and the first person says, Shane, the music's too loud, you hold on to <laughs> that calling. You know you're meant to be there. And then you fix your eyes on Jesus. Run everything through that lens. Amen. Let's pray. I'll ask the worship team to come up. Most gracious Father, we thank you again for your son, Jesus. As we heard in Shane's little, I suppose, testimony, redemption. Your son, Jesus, brings all of us redemption. That we don't need to listen to side A of the tape. That we don't need to hold on to side A of the tape. Uh, that we can actually turn the tape over because the work of, of your son, Jesus, on the cross that sets us free, that brings life and purpose. Our identity can be based in you. You said that we are your children. You said that we are a royal priesthood. You say that we are citizens of heaven, that we're ambassadors for you. That we have grace and love and joy and peace through storms and trials because of our identity is in you. Father, again, I want to pray for Shane and Gemma. Go before them, we ask, Lord. Bless them in all that they do. Lord, for us here at Lakeside, pray for the worship team, the sound, and uh, as they lead now without Shane and Gemma, continue to work through them. Father, as we search and look for someone else who you are calling to step up and take on this role, we ask and pray that you continue to work through that. Father, again, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.